to start with, and um, this study is is about the Bible, okay? And that that means we're we're not going to look at a passage of the Bible necessarily and work our way through a passage of the Bible. Although uh, next week when we look at the story of the Bible, we're going to be we're going to be retelling the story of the Bible and working our way all the way through the Bible and, and, and uh, basically two one-hour blocks. Um, but this is really about the Bible. And so uh, this is some of the fundamental stuff that if you grew up in Sunday school, going to Sunday school, or you've been going to church for a really long time, some of this stuff, maybe you figured it out or it was taught to you, but there's a tremendous amount of people out there who never went to Sunday school, don't have a clue about this book. I'm talking about this physical book. They don't have any idea about it, and they certainly don't have any idea about what's written in it. And so um, as part of this study, uh, I just want to remind us of uh, some of those things, and as people tune, tune in, because you just never know who's going to go to a recording or a uh, YouTube video, um, that this might be something that's helpful uh, for them, and possibly even a resource for uh, young believers that might come to church. We can point them to these videos, and they can get a good, you know, big-picture grasp of um, of their Bible. So turn to turn to Psalm chapter 19, and then we're going to flip to uh, Psalm chapter 1. But I want to start in Psalm chapter 19. I just want you to see something here uh, about the importance <coughs> the importance of uh, the Bible. So um, Psalm chapter 19, verse 1, says, The heavens declare the glory of, of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech. Now that's an odd phrase. Day unto day utter speech. Telling us, the progress of time communicates something to us. And night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is going out through all the earth and their words to the end, end of the earth. Now, so in these verses, these first four verses of chapter 19, this is talking about revelation, about communicating a message. Now, when we talk about revelation, there are two kinds of revelation. There is what we call general revelation, and there's special revelation. General revelation is that revelation that can come to us, that is communicated to us through creation. And isn't that what it's talking about? The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows his hand so in general revelation it, it declares something to us it tells us something about god but general revelation only takes us so far now turn back to psalm chapter one 
general revelation tells us there is a God, that he's all-powerful, tells us about uh, some about who, he's, who he is, but where do we have to go to learn about how to be pleasing to God, how we as his creation should live particularly according to what uh, he desires for us? Well, we got to go to the Bible. This is his, the Bible is his special revelation to us. Look at Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor in the paths of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Now look at the next phrase, verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. Okay, and so this one who delights in the law of the Lord, the, we'll just say the Bible, who meditates on the Bible, what the Bible says, look at verse 3. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Sounds really good if you delight and meditate on the Bible. Now look, verse 4. The ungodly are not so. Okay, these are people who don't delight in the Word of God and who don't meditate on the Word of God. It says, but they are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So how do we know how to be pleasing to the Lord? How do we know how to live properly before the Lord? We know because of the revelation that's found in our Bible. And it's up to us then to read it, to study it, to delight in it, to meditate upon it. And so that's why we are looking at the Bible. This is God's uh, special revelation to us. This is his message to us as men, as his creation, as mankind, as human beings. He has provided this to us. Everything that he wants us to know about himself, ourselves, the relation of man to God is found here in the Bible. You can't find it anywhere else. Anywhere else is just guessing. Here is where the truth is. And so we need to understand a little bit about this book. A little bit about this book. And that's what this study is about. So let me just run over some introductory things here as we begin. So um, this study is just going to be a bird's eye view. So a 30,000 foot view of the Bible. Um, much of this study practically all of it, is going to be about the Bible as a book as we have it today. You know, the Bible wasn't always like this. Okay? There was a time when people did not have a collection. The, the Bible is a collection of books. And there was a time when they didn't have a collection of books all put together. They had a book here, a book there. Uh, they had this letter from Paul. They had this gospel and, and uh, now, praise the Lord, 
we have this all put together and probably for many of us maybe the most expensive book we own unless you went to medical school <laughs> is a bible because we spend a lot we we want to uh have a good bible it's something that's going to last that we can refer to of course then you know if your bible is on your uh iphone 12 it might be a thousand dollars i don't know so, but uh, it's going to be, we're going to talk about this book. We're not dealing with too much explanation about what it says. Just that this is the 30,000 uh, foot view. And so our purpose, our purpose of this study, not in just this lesson, but in the next uh, five lessons as well. So five weeks, six weeks all together. So we got five more weeks is to lay a foundation for understanding the Bible. Okay, we want to lay that foundation, and so this can help the relatively new believer um, bring out some basic things to them, and it can also be helpful to the more mature believer to understand the why and the where things come from in, in the Bible. It's amazing, it's amazing the amount of people who have been to church, they would say their entire life, but they know very little about this book and uh, so we don't want to be like that we don't want to we don't want to be coasters you know we want to be drivers we want we want to be motivated we don't want to just you know be drug along um, so you know who is who is this study for well I tried to make it clear that this study for is for actually anybody anybody who's interested in this book and the Bible believer unbeliever, anybody who's just interested in knowing about this book. Um, and so that's anybody could attend. And, and so maybe you have a friend who, uh, you know, is just curious about, about why do you go to church and why do you carry that big black leather bound book with you? What's so special about that book? So this is the type of thing. Um, that would be good for uh, them to attend. So let me just give you an outline of um, our course schedule here real quick. You have it, I think you have it there in your uh, notes, but today we're gonna study the structure of the Bible. Uh, next week, we're gonna be looking at the story of the Bible, part one. We're not gonna get through the whole Bible in one hour. It's gonna take us two hours to get through the Bible. So, um, That'll be part one. Then the next week, and as we get into August, that will be part two of the study or the story of the Bible. And let me just say, when we're talking about the story of the Bible, what we're going to do is we're going to look at what is really the main point or points of each book of the Bible, and uh, how does that book fit with the rest of the Bible. How does it fit in? So it's, it's uh, we're not going to be in the weeds. We're going to be looking at the forest from the outside, but it'll help you see how everything fits together. And that's something that we often need to be reminded of, especially here when, you know, the pastor takes uh, two weeks and he's not even done two verses in First Timothy yet. So <laughs> that's, uh, that's in the forest. You know, that's the type of thing where you're in the forest, and now we're stepping back, and we're getting outside the forest, and we're going to see 
the big picture. But we're going to see the story of the Bible. And so maybe you know somebody who doesn't know anything about the Bible, and they're not really interested in learning about the structure of this book or maybe even necessarily how to study it. But they might be interested in knowing this is what is in the Bible. This is the big picture of what the Bible says. You should come uh, or bring them to that. Um, and I think we can do it in two hours. I'm, I'm counting on the fact that we can do it in two hours. Because remember, I did the, the Old Testament in 30 minutes one time. Okay? So if I can do that, I'm, I can do the whole Bible in two hours, I think. So that's the story of the Bible. And then we're going to take a look at the support uh, for the Bible. And this is going to involve looking at some scientific things and some archaeological things. And here's an incredible thing, is in the area of archaeology, they are discovering things, maybe not every day, but all the time, that supports what the Bible says. All the time they're discovering things. So I don't know if anybody here is on any type of... Uh, email list or news list with some of these archaeological, biblical archaeological groups. But if you are, they're sending you stuff all the time, updating you on digs that are happening now, telling you about stuff that they're finding, and it's incredible stuff. And it, it's stuff that 100 years ago, everybody said that couldn't be true. And, and, and the stuff they're finding says, those guys were wrong, the Bible's right. So it's pretty incredible stuff. So we're going to look at some of that. There's, there is a, obviously within our time frame, we can't look at a whole lot of stuff, but there's a few particular things that I want us to look at that I think are pretty significant, both for Old Testament and uh, New Testament support. We'll also take a look at some of the scientific things out there that uh, support the Bible. Uh, some of the things related to the intelligent design movement, where so intelligent design movement says there's a designer, that the universe did not happen by chance. Now, in that movement, they don't say God is the designer. They don't go that far. They just says they just says they just say that. When you look at everything that we can see, it points to a design that this, is, this has been created purposefully. And if there is a design, then there must be a designer. Okay, so, but some of the stuff that they're, they're looking at and some of the stuff they're doing, it, it supports what the, the Bible says. You know, it goes right along with the Bible, uh, what it says. So we'll, we'll take a look at that. And then we're going to spend the last two weeks on the study of the Bible. And uh, what I wanted to do there is I want to give you just a basic uh, model for studying a passage of the Bible. And then I want to talk about different kinds of studies that you can do. Some that are very uh, easy and you can sit down for an hour and do a study. Some that are deeper, where if you really want to study, you're going to have to study several hours over several days or weeks to, to do it, but you can still do it. 
and, and, and show you that you can do it with what you have available to you, what everybody in this room has available to them, they can do all the study I'm talking about and then uh, talk about other different types of studies that we're going to do. Like uh, once this, uh, once this uh, study is over in six weeks, take a small break, and then in September we're going to begin the study of the kings of the Jews. And so basically that's going to be a study through first and second kings. Okay? And when we do that, it's really going to be a biographical study of these kings. Okay? And uh, we're not going to be digging too deep down into any grammar or things like that, uh, but we're going to be looking at the, the persons of the kings and asking questions like, well, why was this king this way? Look, look at the effect that this king had on uh, his descendants and that type of thing. So that's a little preview for on down the road, but that's an example of a type of Bible study, a biographical study. And so that's what we're going to be looking at in the last uh, two weeks. So uh, let's jump into tonight's uh, study here. And uh, the first thing we're going to look at is the divisions. So the divisions of the Bible. And uh, I know this is going to sound super basic for this crowd that I can see, but people need to understand that there are two divisions main divisions of the Bible. Now, what are those divisions? You tell me. New Testament and Old Testament. And we're going to put that in chronological order. The Old Testament and the New Testament, or what we might say the former Testament, or the first Testament, and the New uh, Testament. So the Old Testament, of course, is what we would call the Jewish Bible. Uh, the Jewish Bible. Uh, so when you, when you have your hard copy Bible and you turn, you open it about a third of the way from the end, okay, uh, you usually get a, a blank page and a title, right? You usually see that. Okay, right there is the division, right there is the division. So everything to the right of that is going to be New Testament. Everything to the left of that is the Old Testament. This Old Testament section is the Hebrew Bible, is the Jewish Bible. What we, what we Christians call the Old Testament, that is the, the Jewish Bible. God revealed this uh, to the Jews even before our Lord uh, was born. And so uh, that's the Old Testament. The New Testament, for lack of a better term, is the Christian Bible. Okay? It, it's the Christian Bible. Now, it's not just for Christians. Um, we, we need to remember that uh, the New Testament is a progression from the Old Testament. They go together. So it's not like it's two totally different works. Everything that we see in the New Testament has some basis and foundation that comes from uh, the Old Testament. But this is, this is our divisions, and this is one way to think about it. Old Testament, Jewish Bible, New Testament, uh, Christian Bible, uh, associated especially with the epistles, uh, Paul's epistles, the general epistles, and on with, with the church. 
Um, now, it's also important for us to understand, as we've talked about these two different divisions, that when these, when these uh, books were written that are part of the Jewish Bible and the Christian Bible. By the way, how many, how many books are in the Old Testament? 39. So 20, well, I just said 27 in the New Testament. So how many are total? How many books totally in the Bible? 66. Okay, I still had to help you do some math there. Right. So, total books in the Bible, 66, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. Now, when we have a collection of books, what do we call a collection of books? We have, we have a room in this building where we have a collection of books. What is it? A library. So, this is like a library um, where we have all these books that God has inspired that are given to us. And when God first revealed what is in these books and they were written down, they were not written down in English. They weren't written down in English. Uh, in the Old Testament, so our books that are in the Old Testament, the first 39 books were written down in Hebrew with a few passages in a language called Aramaic, very similar to Hebrew. Okay. Uh, but they were written down in Hebrew. Uh, the New Testament, when it was originally given, was written down in Greek. It was written down in the Greek language. Now, the Hebrew and Greek of our Bibles is not like modern Hebrew and modern Greek. There are some differences. Now, our modern-day Hebrew is based on biblical Hebrew, in fact, Modern Hebrew has been reconstructed from biblical Hebrew, but there's some differences. Languages change. They evolve as they, they uh, live. Um, and modern Greek is, is different than um, the Greek of the New Testament. The Greek of the New Testament is called Koine Greek, and it's just it's slightly different than uh, the Greek of today. There's certainly some similarities, but they're not exactly the same. We also need to understand when we think about the languages in which the Bible was written that uh, God had the Bible written in the common language of its intended recipients. The common language. In other words, the Bible is not written in academic language, philosophical language, or um, ultra-high literary language. The Bible is written in the common language of the people to whom these uh, books were written to. Okay, so it's not, it's not eloquent in that sense. Okay, the Bible wasn't um, written to be a high form of literature, although at times it does become a high form of literature such as um, Many people, many Hebrew scholars believe the greatest poetical work in the Hebrew language is the book of Job. The greatest poetical work. Uh, likewise, Hebrews and uh, the Gospel of Luke are written very close to a very sophisticated form of history in the Greek language. So it's, it's, it's quality literature. It's just not meant to be 
super sophisticated academic literature. It's, it is written for people to understand. Okay, it's written for people to understand. Sometimes we make that difficult in the way that we uh, talk about it. So, um, so that is the, the divisions here. Now, with these divisions, remember, 66 books altogether, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. How does all this stuff fit together? How does it all fit together? Um, <clears throat> you know, it might uh, be easy for someone to discount the Old Testament today because that was for the Jews a long, long uh, time ago, thousands of years ago. So that's for those Jews back then. It's not for us today. They might say, well, the New Testament's for us. So we can just ignore the Old Testament. We don't need to know the Old Testament. We just need to know the New Testament. Um, and if that was someone's thought, they would be incorrect. And this would lead to misunderstanding the Bible because the Bible, even though it was written over a span of a couple thousand years, all these books, a couple thousand years, about 40 different authors, to different people, it has several unifying factors. It has several common themes and threads that run through the Bible. And I just want to mention a couple of them here. First, the Messiah, the Messiah, okay? Now, in the New Testament, we're introduced to the Messiah as the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ and Messiah, same word, means same thing. And so um, when we think of this uh, designation, Messiah, we actually can see that it is a unifying theme in the Bible. Uh, in the Old Testament, we see there's a need for him coming to the earth. The Old Testament tells us there's a need for the Messiah to come. We also see in the Old Testament there is a promise of him coming. There's a promise that the Messiah will come. It even tells us the purpose of his uh, coming. When we come into the New Testament, we see the fulfillment of his first coming. We see the ministry of the Messiah at his first coming. We see the words and works of Jesus Christ. That's the ministry of the Messiah. We, we know who he is. We know what he said, what he taught, some of the things that he did. And we know he will return. The New Testament tells us that. And when we look at that in the New Testament and we look at the, some of the unfulfilled prophecies of the Old Testament, all of a sudden the light bulb should go on and say, Old Testament, New Testament connected. They're talking about the same uh, thing. And so uh, when we think about the Messiah, the person of the Messiah, we see that there's this thread that runs all the way from the Old Testament, throughout the Old Testament into the New Testament. In fact, if we think about it real hard, we see that this thread begins at least in Genesis 3 and runs all the way through Revelation 22. So if you don't know, Revelation 22 is the last chapter of the New Testament. Okay, we see that thread. So another, another unifying factor that I see is the plan of God for history. Now, when we think about history, we usually think past tense, but we can't, we need to think a big picture history past, present, and future, and, and so it's, it's all, all, all of this. And when we see this, 
we see how God is working out his plan throughout time from what's happened in the past to even what's gone on now to what will happen in the future. We, we see God working his plan out. And really, next week when we start looking at the story of the Bible, this is what we're looking at. We're looking at how God is working, how God is accomplishing his plan in the world that's recorded in the Bible for us. The Bible tells us of these things. And finally, the kingdom of God. I think the kingdom of God is another unifying factor so as the more and more I study this particular topic, the more and more I'm convinced that this is probably the theme of the Bible. If you could run the Bible down to one theme, the kingdom of God is, is going to be that theme. And, um, you know, if you heard the sermon, the last sermon that we had in the book of Acts, I talked about the kingdom of God and I tried to show in that how the kingdom of God runs from eternity past to eternity future and it covers everything in between. Okay, so and, so, and it follows all the way through the Bible. All the way through the Bible we see this kingdom of God idea. And so that's another uh, unifying uh, factor. So now what I want to do is uh, zero in on each of the divisions, the Old Testament and New Testament. So let's look at the Old Testament uh, first, we're going to look at the, the language of the Old Testament. And remember, what's the language of the Old Testament? Hebrew, right? With a little bit of Aramaic. So it's Hebrew with a little bit of Aramaic. Now, you might want to write this down. I, I can't remember if I put this in your notes or not. Did I put in your notes the Aramaic portions? Okay, so uh, I, I won't go into that. But uh, let me just say that there's a significant portion, as you can see, in the book of Daniel that's in Aramaic. Okay, and that relates Daniel uh, to the Gentiles and the Gentile world because that's what the Gentile world spoke, Aramaic. Aramaic was the uh, universal language at that time. So everybody, if you had any political correspondence, um, you know, you would have spoken Aramaic. Any international trade that would happen, Aramaic is probably going to be the language. Um, you know, in Daniel's day, if you were a pilot, you spoke in Aramaic, like they do in English today. Anybody get that if you're a pilot in Daniel's day? Yeah, okay. No pilots, no, no airline pilots in Daniel's day. Just checking to see if you're awake. Um, but uh, you, you'll find there's other, there's a, there's actually more Aramaic in the Old Testament than what I've listed here. There are different places in the Old Testament where you just find a word here and there, and it's an Aramaic word, um, not a Hebrew word. So, uh, you got your Bibles there with you. Turn to Genesis 1-1 real quick. I want, you to, I want you to see the words here. Okay? And... So when we open our, our Bibles up to Genesis 1-1, I want to make a couple observations here. I'm, I'm going to make it, I don't know what's in your Bible or how your Bible's laid out, but I just want to make some observations about when I open my Bible up and look at this page here, what do I see? Well, this is the first thing I see. I see the title of the book, okay? This particular Bible says the first 
book of Moses called Genesis. Okay, and then, and then I'll see a subheading there, and then I see a big number one, and that's it. And then I look a little bit later on in the paragraph, and I see a little number two, a superscript, what they call superscript number two. It's up on the top of the line. Then I see a three, and it goes on down through the rest of my Bible. Now, that is not what appears in the ancient manuscripts. Okay? What you're seeing here is a picture of Genesis 1-1, or at least part of it. You can see, if you can um, see over here, you see my little flashy thing there on the screen. Can you see that? So you can see that the manuscript is deteriorated there. It's ripped. It's torn. This thing, this thing is old, old, old. It's over a thousand years old, this manuscript. This is Genesis 1-1. Um, and so let me, let me make some of the letters a little bit more clear. So this, this verse says, what you can't see is in the beginning. Okay, you, you don't see in the beginning. Bereshith, bara, you don't see that. You see the end of the word Elohim, which is God. So uh, right here is Elohim. Elohim, God. In the beginning, God, the heavens, Hashemayim, and that little thing there, believe it or not, that's that and. And, let me get over here so I can see it. And, then you can see the beginning of the word, the earth, Hierats, the land. So this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like. It, it's not as nice as our printed page, is it? It's not as nice as our printed page. There's no numbers on this manuscript. When you read it, you were just expected to know where you're reading. You pick it up and read it. This is Isaiah. That's where I'm reading. Or this is Nahum. How many of us would pick up a Bible that didn't have any titles or chapters or verses, and we would start in Nahum, and we would know we're reading in Nahum? Probably not too many of us. Some of us could probably pick out the Gospel of John. I'm pretty sure I could pick out the Gospel of John right now. We could probably pick out Romans. We could probably pick out Romans. But when we get into those minor prophets, oh man, we just don't, we just don't know it. And so, but this is this is a, a, a manuscript from the Old Testament. I want to show you another picture of a manuscript. So there at the title or the top of the screen that you see that DSS, that's Dead Sea Scrolls. Okay, one Q, first cave from Qumran, Isaiah. Chapter 1, verse 26 through 31. Now, you look at this thing. Now, you might have a hard time seeing it. It looks great on my screen, though. But this is an animal skin. It's an animal skin. So vellum. So it's really processed, nice writing material. And you look at that, and, man, it just runs across there. And you know how big? Now, this is deceiving. Because this, this manuscript's not that big. And so this writing... Some of it is smaller than the print in your Bibles. It's, it is small, and there's some scribe 
who has gone blind, <laughs> taking his little uh, ink pen, his little stylus, dipping it in ink and writing each of those letters. So, uh, so this is over 2,000 years old. Um, when I was at Appalachian Bible College, we found out that the, the Dead Sea Scrolls were going to be on exhibition at a museum in Cincinnati. It's, that's the closest it was going to get to us. So we got two vans, loaded up a bunch of students, and we went. And you go in there, you go into this exhibit hall, and you're expecting to see this magnificent display of some of the most important manuscripts in the world. And you get in there, and it's just bits of paper. <laughs> it's these small little bits of paper. You know, instead of the Dead Sea Scrolls, call them the Dead Sea Scraps. <laughs> it's, but it's super, super important. So, um, you know, this is what the Bible looked like for thousands of years. It looked like what you see on your screen. For thousands of years, this is the way it was. And um, just wanted you to see what it really would look like back in the ancient world. So uh, we looked at the Old Testament language. And uh, when we look at the Old Testament, we see that it's divided into four main sections. So four main sections. And these sections are divided based on the kind of writing, the kind of writing these books are. So the Old Testament is not in chronological order. Okay, do you, anybody ever think, I mean, I know I thought at one time, Old Testament, you start in Genesis and you go to Malachi and it's in chronological order, right? It's not in chronological order it is arranged by the kind of writing it is. And so in the first section, we have the law. The law. This is the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And that's all the ones I'm going to quote in case I get it wrong. <laughs> so that's the first five books of the Bible. And so that's in the category of the law or the Torah. We'll see a little bit later that if this is is the Torah. And so this, these books are characterized by beginnings, by the beginning uh, of things here. Uh, the second category of books in our English Bibles, we're talking about in English Bibles right now, is the historical books. The historical books. And they begin with Joshua, the book of Joshua, which comes after Deuteronomy and goes all the way to Esther. These are the historical books, and they are called historical books because they are written more as an account of history. They're telling us what happened in history. Uh, then there are the poetical books or the wisdom uh, books. And uh, so this is Job through Song of Solomon. Okay, And as the title of this section shows... These books are written almost exclusively in Hebrew poetry. So the Bible is a poetical book. And the uh, fourth section, the fourth kind of writing is uh, the prophetic books. The prophetic uh, books. These are books that are characterized by 
prophetic pronouncements. They're usually written by someone who had the office of prophet. Not all of them, but most of them had the office of prophet. For example, Daniel, his book is, has a lot of prophecy in it. But did you know Daniel's was not like an official prophet? He could not put prophet on his resume. Okay, He was a bureaucrat. He was a government worker. All right, so, um, but the, the, these books, the prophetical books, are characterized by prophecy. They begin with the book of Isaiah, goes all the way to Malachi. Malachi. Uh, by the way, in, in, our, in the prophets, they are also divided, aren't they? So they're divided in two groups. What are those groups called? The major prophets. And the minor prophets. Now, what's the difference between a major prophet and a minor prophet? Length. Yeah, the size. The size of it is really the, the difference. Um, uh, the minor prophets are just as important as, as the uh, major prophets. And, and so we see there's major prophets and there's minor prophets. Now, I just want to, just this is just for your information here, but I think it's good for us to remember. I know we've talked about this at church before, but the Hebrew divisions of the Old Testament. Remember, the, the Old Testament is a Jewish Bible. It's a Hebrew Bible. So we need to understand that when the Jews opened their Bible up, which is exactly our Old Testament, what are they looking at? What are they seeing? Uh, so first, like us, their Bible begins with the law, except they call it the Torah, the instructions or the words. Okay, it's the Torah. So that's the first five books of uh, the Bible. And then in our English Bibles, we go to what's the next group of books? What's it called? Historical books. They don't go to the historical books. They go to the prophets, the prophets. And so uh, in the Hebrew Bible, uh, the prophets include Joshua, Judges, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, and then what we think of as the prophets. And so there are places in, in our Bible that refers to the former prophets. There are in the Gospels, I believe, I can't remember the exact reference, but it refers to the former prophets. The former prophets are Joshua through 2 Kings. Those are the former prophets. Um, and then after that, we have the latter prophets, and that includes the major prophets and what the Jews call the 12, which is our minor prophets. Okay, so that's their prophets. Another, another word for prophets is Nevaim. So y'all can say that, right? Nevaim. I can't hear it. Nevaim. Nevaim, okay. That's just the Hebrew word for prophets. Prophets, plural. Okay, so you have the Torah and you have the Nevaim. Now, the next category, there's only three categories in the Hebrew Bible. Then the third and final category is the writing. The writings. Okay, the writings are going to include what we would call wisdom literature, which is the Psalms, Proverbs, Job. 
It's also going to call, have uh, the, what they call the rolls, what the Hebrews would call the rolls. And this would include Song of Solomon, Ruth, Lamentations, Ecclesiastes, Esther. They, are, they call those the rolls. Um, megalith sometimes would be a nice word to know, to, to understand them. Um, and then they have the historical. And so Daniel's a part of the historical books, Ezra, Nehemiah, First and Second Chronicles, or, or historical books, which I find very interesting because Chronicles is much more theological in focus than First and Second Kings. But this is the way I didn't, they did not ask me what I thought when they put it together, okay? Probably a good thing. But this is, this is how it's put together. And so maybe you have heard Maybe you have heard someone refer to the Jewish Bible as the Tanakh. Tanakh. Okay, well, if you haven't, now you have. So it's often abbreviated as Tanakh. Ta, Torah. Na, Nevaim. Ka, Kethuvim. That's writings. Kethuvim, that's the Hebrew word for writing. So you can say Torah, Nevaim, Kethuvim, and when you say that, you're including the entire Old Testament. So if you want to know, if you, a really good source for knowing more and more about the Old Testament, and it's a little bit dated, but it's solid, that is um, Merle Unger's Introductory Guide to the Old Testament. His Introductory Guide to the Old Testament is an excellent resource just to get in to uh, some of the more detailed things about uh, the Old Testament. So we have 15 minutes left and we got to get through the New Testament. All right? So on to the New Testament. Okay, the language of the New Testament is what? I already told you this. What is it? Greek. Greek. It is the Greek language and it's specifically what we call uh, Koine Greek. Koine, it's that that's spelled K-O-I-N-E, K-O-I-N-E, Koine Greek, which was used, which was used from about 300 B.C. to about 300 A.D. or A.D. 300, so right, right in that range. Okay, that's when, that's when it was used. So that falls right in the time of Jesus and the apostles and the early church. And uh, let me show you some things. So this is a manuscript. This is, this is uh, Codex Sinaiticus. It was found on Mount Sinai in the trash can. Okay. So this is one sheet that you're seeing there. Four columns. Now, if you were up here looking at it real close, one of the things you would notice there is no spaces between the letters, between words, no spaces, no punctuation, nothing like that. And, I mean, you should try it sometime. You know, find something, take out all the punctuation, take out all the space between the words, and then give it to somebody to see if they can figure out what it says. It, it, it's, it's surprisingly easier than what you think, but when you only know a little bit of Greek or none at all, it doesn't look easy, does it? But here we see in, in this, under the, the red underlined here is John 
Okay, this is John 3.16. And you notice there's, there's uh, no breaks between any of the words. Um, it says, so for he loved God the world. So we would then put that in English, for God so loved the world, right? Uh, one thing I, I do want to show you, this is, a, this is an important thing, but right here, you see these blue boxes? And, and the first blue box is the word theos, God, but it's not spelled out. It's abbreviated. It's the first letter and the last letter and has a little line above it. And, and the, the second box is Jesus Christ, Yesu, okay, little line above it. That's called the nomina sacra, okay, that's the name of those things. And those things become important in the Christian scribal tradition because it shows us there is a regularity and a consistency with the scribal practices of Christians. It wasn't just a bunch of half-literate people out there scribbling down things. It was very intentional and very systematic. And so these are the uh, anomina sacra, okay? That's extra, that's not really part of uh, none about the Bible, that's a part about knowing manuscripts. So uh, you owe me for that one. So New Testament language, and there's four main sections in our New Testament, right? We're usually a little bit familiar, more familiar with the New Testament, uh, usually a lot more familiar than we are with the Old Testament. Even people who don't know anything about the Bible, they know, hey, there's a gospel in the New Testament or something like that. And so that's what we, the first section of our New Testament is the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay, and the, the Gospels are divided up into the synoptic Gospels and the Gospel of John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are synoptic Gospels. John is a, is a standalone Gospel. He's unique. He's unique from the others. Then there's the Book of Acts. The Book of Acts forms its own category. It's the, it's the historical book, if we can put it that way, of the, of the New Testament. And then we have the Epistles. The, uh, that's not Pauline. So like a girl's name. So we're going to call it Pauline. <laughs> Actually, there's a debate about should you say it Pauline or Pauline. Um, we, do, we want to make Paul as masculine as possible. So we're going to call it Pauline instead of calling him Pauline. Um, so you have the, the, the epistles of Paul. And then we have what you call the general epistles, which would be Hebrews, James, 1st, 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and Jude. Okay? Um, so that's the epistles. They're letters. They're letters. And then we have the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation, again, stands as its own category of writing. It is unique in the New Testament. And, and what it contains and how it uh, is written. So that's the Old Testament, New Testament, and how they break down. The, the the, the Greek New Testament, the, the, what we call the Christian New Testament, is just like our English Bibles. It's, it's very close in the way it orders things. Is there any questions about the Old Testament, how it's laid out, how it's structured, or the New Testament, how it's structured? Okay. Okay. Well, let, now let's go to the layout of our Bibles, our English Bibles, okay? Um, you have an English Bible, presumably. 
So you already know, know this or you can look at it. This picture here, this picture here is a picture of the Tyndale Bible. Okay, the Tyndale Bible. So this is going to be the first Bible in English that was translated from Hebrew and Greek. So there were some Bibles in English that came before Tyndale, but they usually came out of Latin. Okay, or they weren't complete. So this is John 1. This is John 1. And uh, let me see if I can show you here. Uh, you can't see the first line. Uh, in the beginning was the word and the, the um, well, you can see that the word was, was the word and um, same was, I think that same was in the beginning with God. Okay. So you see this from the beginning of the gospel of John. And you see that, and if you took your time, you could read it, but there's some funny-looking letters in there. It, you could figure it out. You know, S's look like F's um, in this particular script. Um, some words have changed. You notice, if you look at this, God's never capitalized in here. It's all lowercase g, things like that. So that's, that's a little bit different, but that's how it is. Notice, notice, no chapters, no verse numbers. None of that. But they have nice drawings. You know, they have, they have, that's part of what makes Bible so expensive back then. So they had these nice, nice, uh, very ornate Bibles. So in our modern Bibles, in our modern Bibles, we have books, chapters, and verses, right? It's everything separated, everything's organized, everything is uh, structured. And so when you look at your Bible, no matter what book of the Bible you turn to, no matter what book of the Bible you turn to, we'll just go stick with Genesis 1-1 because it's easy to find and easy to see everything we need to see. So in Genesis 1-1, you have a big, big number. The big number is the chapter. Then you have a little number. The little number is the verses. You might be surprised, but there's a lot of people who have no idea what those numbers are there for. Okay? These, these numbers are giving us the address of the words. They're telling us, where do these words come from? Where do they belong? Where's their home? And so, just like everybody here has an address, the words of the Bible now have an address. So you can, you can go to the book, you can go to the chapter, and you can go to the verse. And uh, I think at least one person that I'm at least going to shake his hand when I get to heaven is the guy who put all this stuff in there. Because <laughs> it's, it's helpful, isn't it? Knowing chapters and, and, and verses. So the chapters, the chapters of the Bible were first introduced into the Bible in A.D., eight, not B.C., A.D. 1225. A.D. 1225. Now do the math. How long ago was that? How long ago? About a thousand years, right? That's, that's how my math works, about. So, you know, it was about a thousand years ago. Well, the Bible 
The, the whole Bible existed for a thousand years before that, right? The Hebrew Bible existed, at least parts of it, 2,000 years before that. Never had chapters, never had verses up to that point. So it was introduced by Stephen Langdon, the Archbishop of Canterbury. So, uh, you know, the English language at least provided one benefit to the Bible by giving us chapters, chapters to it. And so, um, as you can tell, chapters and verses came before, you know, really the most popular English translation, which is the, the King James, several hundred years before. King James was 1611 when they published it. So the chapters and verses were introduced to the, the Bible in 1225. Now, the verses, the verses, the verses were, were actually introduced into the Bible in, in the fourth edition of the Greek New Testament that came out in 1551. So for several hundred years, there were chapter numbers, but not verse numbers. You know what? Today, you can buy Bibles that don't have chapter and verses in them, but they charge you more money for taking stuff out. Can you get that? <laughs> they charge you for taking out the numbers. I don't get that. But you can buy Bibles today that don't have chapters or verses in them. Just get, you know, this is the book of John or the gospel of John. So verses really didn't come into our Bibles in common use till uh, 1551. And they were introduced through a Greek uh, New Testament. Um, the, the first Bible, the first English Bible to have both chapters, chapter number and verse numbers was the Geneva Bible. Okay? Uh, otherwise, we might call this the Pilgrim Bible. This is the Bible that the earliest uh, settlers to America, this, is, this would have been their Bible. Um, it was very, very popular very, very popular when it was uh, published. Here's a picture of it. Uh, you can see it. It's still kind of in that old, older style English, just like the Tyndale with different looking letters. Uh, here's a, more of a close-up. And you can, in the red, which you probably can't see it, but I've circled chapter 2. Um, so right there's a chapter 2. If I get my pointer here so chapter 2 then verse numbers and it's got verse numbers here so this is the first Bible first English Bible to have both the chapter numbers and verse numbers so that's pretty impressive um, I think and so the Geneva Bible this is the, you know in English language we're really doing a lot with the, the Bible here um, now I would be remiss if I didn't say there had been earlier attempts to kind of uh, add some structure so you could find places in the Bible. There is the, the uh, Eusebian system in the Gospels, so you can find different readings in the Gospels. But how many of y'all have heard of the Eusebian system, Eusebian canon? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Didn't work, did it? Didn't stick. <laughs> you can still, if you buy a Greek New Testament today, a critical edition of the Greek New Testament, you'll find it in there, but you're not going to find it anywhere else. Uh, if in, in some high liturgical churches, they might uh, still refer to that, but most people have no idea about it. Um, back at the early part of uh, when we move into the, the A.D. section of the calendar, there were some attempts by some Jews back then to kind of bring some type of system of 
location to the Hebrew Bible, but again, it didn't stick. It didn't stick around. People weren't interested in that. So that really brings us to, to the end of our layout of the Bible. Old Testament, New Testament, 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 books in the New Testament, 66 books in all. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. New Testament's written in Greek. When we look at the Old Testament, it's divided into how many sections? Four sections. When we look at the New Testament, it's divided into how many sections? Four sections. Okay? And uh, when you look at your Bibles now, it, it's not a shameful thing to go to the table of contents. And you can look at it, and now you know, I can draw little you know, brackets, and I can say, these books belong in this section, this, these books belong in this section. And when you get to the New Testament, and Jesus talks about the law and the prophets, you know exactly what he's talking about, because he doesn't say... You know, uh, and, and he doesn't when he doesn't mean the prophets according to the English Bible. He means a, the prophets according to the Hebrew Bible. And now you know what he means. And so this is how the Bible's laid out. It's easy to navigate, isn't it? It's easy to navigate. Get into any questions? Q and A here, real quick. We have uh, we, minus thirty seconds. <laughs> Minus 30. Just a reminder, next week we're going to start with the story of the Bible, part one. And so we're going to start in Genesis, and we're going to start working our way uh, through, you know, what these books, what the main point is, and how they relate to the other books around them. So uh, hopefully you're looking forward to that. I'm, I'm excited about uh, doing that and, and showing the connections between all the stuff in the Bible. So let me, uh, Frank. Right, right. The Museum of the Bible uh, is a great resource. And um, if, you're, if you're into going online, if you type in to your search bar, if you just type in New Testament manuscripts, there are several sites that are dedicated to the New Testament manuscripts, and you can go there and you can click on all these different manuscripts and look at them and look at them and it's pretty incredible it's pretty incredible what's available now there's also uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls project and I showed you that one picture of the Dead Sea Scrolls Isaiah chapter 1 verse 26 through 31 in that program you can go to that scroll and highlight a section of scripture and it will tell you where it's at and give you a translation. It is incredible. And so it's taken the Dead Sea Scroll that they found, obviously in the Dead Sea, close to the Dead Sea. And it's, I mean, it's incredible. You know, 40 years ago, people would have killed you, your mother, and all your relatives to be able to do that. They, they would have loved to do that. And we can do it if we want to, if we want to. 
Okay, let me close this in a word of prayer and we'll be dismissed. And uh, there is coffee and cookies in the kitchen. Lord, we give you thanks for your word. And uh, we not only give you thanks for giving it to us, um, that it is from you, that it's inspired, that it is your word to us, but we also give you thanks for how you have used so many people through history uh, to give us the Bible the way that we have it now in our hands, where we have titles of books, we have table of contents, all range, we have concordances that look at all the different words in the Bible and count them all and have gone through the Bible with a comb. And we have all these excellent resources. And so we give you thanks for the work that all these people have done and that we benefit from the product uh, of this. So Lord, help us to be um, people of Psalm chapter one, where we delight in your law and we meditate on it. And so that we will be pleasing to you and that we will be prosperous people in your sight. We pray this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.